Lord Jesus, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for these precious women who have made it a priority uh, to be here, Lord. And I just ask that you just pour your spirit out uh, through through myself, through others, Lord, that we would hear from you, that we'd hear from you, that we would absolutely listen, that we'd be changed. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for who he uh, was. Uh, thank you for absolutely how he resolved in his heart, how he purposed in his heart, how he determined before anything came at him, that's who he was. And he continued to follow hard after Yahweh God. And Lord, that's who we want to be. Dare to be a Daniel, Lord. We want to dare to be a Daniel. And so I thank you. Thank you for the new ladies, Doris and Debbie. Lord, thank you for them. Lord, let them know just how loved they are by us, but more so by you. Thank you for uh, their invitation here, Lord, by others. And I just thank you for the praises this morning that we can look for you in everything. In everything. You are the God of detail. You are in every detail of our life. And so we are giving you praise. We're giving you honor. We're giving you glory. Even if, you know, we don't have the feeling of doing that, we do it because you're worthy to be praised. And so, Lord, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It matters how we respond to you in that circumstance. And that's who Daniel is. So Jesus, we praise you. And we ask that we are changed in this next hour before a mighty God. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay. I, you want to pray and all of a sudden it came to me, only a boy named Daniel. Did you ever do that? Only a little. Oh, I mean, it was all these different ones. David, Daniel, this. All of a sudden I started singing all my old Sunday school songs. See, it'll all come back. The word never returned. Re, uh, the word never, come on, Margo, returns void. Thank you. The word will never return void, right? It always will come back. Thank you for picking in there. All right. Now, this is not a guilt question, but how many of you got to at least read a little bit of Daniel this week? Okay, let's see. Okay, excellent. I'm going to push you a little harder. I want you to read it, okay? I want you to read it. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. I want you to read it over and over again. I want you to read the beginning, the end, the middle. I want you to steep in it. I want you to hear from it because I want you to learn that as we're going through this, that guess what? The Holy Spirit really can speak to you as you are, you know, in the Word. You're like, oh, oh. So you write down something that, you know, that, like, just one word. And the one word last week was resolve with me, that he had resolved, right? And so the question then to ask yourself is, am I like that? You know, do I resolve? Do I purpose in my heart? Do I determine before the temptation comes along? Do I determine before the, um, the opportunity comes along? Whatever circumstantial situation comes along, am I resolved to know that I'm going to obey no matter what? And that's what Daniel did. Because he had his non-negotiable face-to-face time with Jesus, right? He, had, he was always praying. He was always um, giving it over to Yahweh God. He had been in Jerusalem, if you remember, uh, with his buddies, uh, Shakrach and Benny. And they were there and a whole bunch of Hebrew guys. And if you remember who besieged Jerusalem, King who? Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Or King Nebi, great big, huge guy. I just can envision him. I haven't ever met him, but I can just see him, right? He's probably a little peanut. They don't ever, I, I did a lot of extra biblical stuff. He might have short man syndrome. I'm not sure, but he might. Might have that, like, right? So he, um, so he besieges Jerusalem, and he takes the finest of the fine, remember? And, and they go back, and they leave their family. They leave their country. They leave their city. They leave everything. In fact, they even leave their names, Okay, and so we are are studying in the first um, chapter of Daniel. Daniel, uh, somebody just throw out something that they know about the book of Daniel or the person of Daniel. Just throw it out. Anything. Oh! He, was royal family. he was royal family. He went. He always was referred to as beloved. You know, like like in later when he was kind of struggling. With it. Yep. That you're loved and yep. you always have come from Gabriel. Yep. yep. Excellent. Good. The book of Daniel tells you the exact time that was uh, the first coming of Jesus. That's right. Amen. Amen. The ap- apocalyptic area. We can hardly wait. Ooh, what else? Yes. Because he was not corrupt or negligent. Whoa. Not corrupt or negligent. Okay. What else? Ellen. The purpose of Daniel was for encouragement. Exactly. Encouragement to to show that God is on his throne. That he will not, uh, his plan will not be thwarted. That he is on his throne, that he is absolutely in control. He's Yahweh God, L-O-R-D, which means his personal name, right? 
big caps, L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh God, personal Jehovah God. They couldn't even what? Speak it. They couldn't even speak it to one another, right? They had to write it down. When they wrote it down, they had to throw the instrument away because it was so holy. Okay, that he is on his throne. His plan will not be thwarted. It has been from the end to the beginning, the beginning to the end. He knows what's going on. When he sent Jesus and Jesus stepped out of eternity and time, God didn't go, oh no, I forgot about this. Sin, what am I going to do? That's not who God is. That's not who he is. And in Daniel, you find out over and over again that that's who he is. Because if you remember, Daniel came to know the living God through what king? Do you remember? Extra credit. Little eight-year-old. Little eight-year-old. No, little, little eight-year-old. J. Starts with a J. No, close. Jos- Josiah. Josiah, okay. Daniel came to know God Almighty, okay, as his personal Savior through Josiah because during Josiah's reign from age eight, age eight till age 39, That is when Israel actually had a time of coming back to the Lord. Remember, they would be like, ah, we're going to build all these idols, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then they'd come back to the Lord. And then they'd go, and they'd go, we're going to build more idols, we're going to worship this, and then they'd come back to the Lord. And then they'd do this, okay, but during Josiah's time, Josiah brought back the, uh, the covenant and brought back the Sabbath. Okay? And so he was bringing back all obedience. And this is how you walk. Remember in the Old Testament that how you were, were quote unquote saved is that you obeyed what Yahweh God said. You sacrificed how you needed to a ram, a lamb, uh, an oxen, a bird, whatever it is for different types of sin sacrifices. And then that that innocent animal would take your sin upon them. Because in Hebrews it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness of sin. So someone had to take the hit for us, okay, in the Old Testament for them, and when they believed that this is the way to walk, and all the, the way that God had planned it all through Leviticus, he talks, and First and Second Kings, this is how to walk, when they believed that this is how Yahweh got who he is and how I need to walk with him, then he would impute righteousness onto you. Right? You'd be righteous. You're made righteous. You're made righteous. You're made righteous. You're made righteous. Now, because Jesus has come, okay, we are on the other side. Jesus has come and died for us. Now there is a sacrifice once for all. Once for all, right? And so now we come to know God the Father through the blood of Jesus, who cleanses us from all sin. Okay, and, and that's one by one by one. You can't live off your parents' faith. You can't live off your pastor's faith. You can't live off my faith. I tried for 31 years to live off my mom's faith. It doesn't work. There are no grandchildren in heaven. Okay, It's absolutely your belief that he died for you, that you're a sinner, and that you need to have him desperately forgive you, which he already has done, uh, as uh, Romans 5.8 says, right? But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he what? He died for us. We accept him as a gift. He's known as an indescribable gift. He comes into our heart in the Holy Spirit, because that's the Spirit of Christ, and then we walk in his power. Val? You know, I once heard, you know, like, if, like let's say you're not equally yoked, and the husband is of the faith, and the wife's not, but the, the family's covered? You know, I don't know what... Not covered. So, it, everyone has to come... Yeah. to him individually. The, what, what he's saying is, is, if you read in context, what he's saying is that there's one there, and of course Second Peter says, I don't want anybody to perish, I want all to come to repentance, okay? So that one um, who will continue to live like me in this, 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 is, is the yeast that goes throughout the whole family. Okay, and but each of us, hi Nicole. So each of us have to come to him one by one by one. But yes, that yeah, it doesn't mean like for instance because my mom believed doesn't mean that I believed. Okay, that you know she started, you know our whole family or my sisters stuff, and, and and then God just works. It's like yeast; it, he goes throughout. Okay, and that's that's how he works. And I so think also on top of that, the one who's a believer who's praying, yes, is the instrument that he's going to use that prayer though actually. Yes. 
and the one was the believer of praise that protection, and that's huge, without having that family protection. It doesn't mean that it prevents you from sin. No. If they're asking for protection of death or... So that... So that they can come to know Jesus personally, passionately, powerfully, preeminently. Absolutely. And that's that protection. Thank you for adding that on, Doris. Absolutely. All right. Anybody else about Daniel before we open up? That just intrigued you. What? Obedient. 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 What else? Chris. His name means God will judge. Yeah. God will judge. Absolutely. It means God. Do you love that? His name means God will judge. What else? Ellen. Courageous, absolutely. It's a pivotal book. Pivotal, why? It, it brings Old Testament into New Testament. You cannot understand Revelation without having the foundation of Daniel. Exactly. Okay. Alrighty. Alright, so let's open up to Daniel 1, because that's where we are. Are you leaving us, sweetheart? Okay. Yes, we'll be praying. From God just to oh, that was nice. All right. Thank you for bringing the treat. We so appreciate it. It was delicious. All right. Now, what we're going to do, I read this last week to you, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at Daniel 1. It is the introductory chapter. We are going to uh, go through it verse by verse because that's how we learn. Okay? That's how we learn. It's the context of, of uh, Daniel written in 530 B.C. Probably it was Daniel's life from 605 to 530. Written in 530 B.C. And he is now explaining to us the introductory chapter. All right? I will read it again because it bears repeating and then from that we're going to just go through every single verse to see what God has for us. Now, this is not how you become a smarter sinner going through every verse, is it, ladies? No, this isn't for more knowledge. This isn't so that you can debate the Bible. Nobody ever comes to Christ by debating the Bible. Did you know that? Right? Nobody does. Okay? No one does. Everyone comes to Christ through revelation. First they're blind, then they see. Okay? No one comes... Jesus never debated anything as he walked, you know, in the Gospels. He just said, here it is, laid it out, follow me. Here it is, laid it out, follow me. Here it is, laid it out, follow me. That's it. Okay? And so you lay out truth so that we can be changed, so that we can be more like him and less like our putrid selves. And so as people watch us, and then we also tell them, because how will they know if we don't tell them, right, then... They're, they're open, they are responsive to the convictor who isn't us. Did you know you're not put in this world to convict people? Did you know that? Especially your children. Aww, I, I know. I know. <laughs> Is that your spiritual gifting, Val? I know. Hey, I've known that gift as well. Okay, I remember when the Lord said, I mean, I mean, it was almost like out loud from heaven. Margo, you're not the convictor. I am. Oh, oh, oh. That is um, freedom, actually. That's freedom. That's freedom in who you are in Christ, how you walk, how you, how you talk, who he is in your life, can convict people. But you are not the convictor. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts. It's the Holy Spirit who, who, you know, my mom prayed for me for years and years and years to come to know Jesus personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over my life, as well as my sisters. And, this. and guess what? You know, none of them convicted me. The Holy Spirit brought me to my knees. The Holy Spirit brought me to my knees. That, and that's what you do. You go, oh, you know what? I'm not the convictor. You are. And so you walk, because you know what? There's enough in your life that needs to be changed and in my life before you see Jesus face to face, just so you know. Okay? Right? You don't have to be changing and working on anybody else. There's enough in your own life that God has, right, that needs to be changed in your life until you see him face to face. Right? So have at it, Lord. Right? Have at it. Because, you know what, I know what you, what you do is you go, well, I have at it, but mostly have at it my husband, right? Or mostly have at my child, okay? I mean, mostly, it's not. It's have at me, right? It's, it's, it's changed me, okay? And as you are being changed, people are watching you. You're this peculiar King James person, okay? And, they're, and then they're drawn to that, either as an aroma of Christ, as they're being saved, it says, or as a stench. But you're not responsible for that. You are responsible, however, before the King of Kings, on how you're walking. That's it, okay? So therefore, 
you know, when we read Daniel, it's not to become smarter sinners and to be able to, you know, be intelligent about this and convict other people because he is the convictor. So listen for ourselves, right, in, in what he's saying. All right, so let's go on. Uh, Daniel 1.1, 1, 1, this is Daniel's training in Babylon. Remember, um, for those of you who weren't here, um, on Thursday, oh, I got it all wet with the mom. Uh, I'm all right. I'll just get it unwet here. A dry it. Unwet. That's dry. All right. Reverse the wetness. Reverse the wetness, yes. Heal. Heal, O Mappeth. That's in the King James. Not even in the New King James. This is old. All right. For those of you, okay, on Thursdays I have this delightful little thing I put up. But here, you know what? Where's Michelle? Michelle, not today. But find something I can put this on, sweetie, okay? All right. No, you're fine. I'm just going to hold up right now. All right, so we're talking about Daniel in Babylon. Okay, this was the then known earth. Remember, this is the world. This is Persia, capital of Nineveh, where Jonah was from. Assyria, or I should say Jonah went to. Assyria and then Babylon. Okay, the big, big nations that continued to besiege one another. Besiege. Not, not necessarily war, even though they did have some battles, but really it was more besieging. You know, like, I'm bigger than you are, I'm going to come and get you. And then they would be a vassal, a V-A-S-S-A-L. They would be in subjection then to that country. And it went back and forth, back and forth. And right here, this little tiny area, this is Israel. Okay, and then this is blown up over here. The northern kingdom is Israel, and the southern kingdom is, is Judah. And then the, uh, the uh, capital is Jerusalem. And, you know, I just heard on the news this morning that they just unearthed they just unearthed during they and they dated it to Solomon's time a huge uh, water um, system, a huge like aquifer, huge. And I mean, they showed it on. I'm, I'm like, whoa! I mean, you, we could all fit in there and and then some. It was this huge aquifer water system that was dated at um, Solomon's time, and it was during the temple and during all this. And and they were just sharing about it, and it's and it's in Jerusalem. So God keeps revealing, 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 and revealing Himself. But what I want to show you is that Jerusalem is that this little buffer nation of Israel, okay, was always having something to do with all these big kingdoms, okay? And guess what? Still is. Still is. I don't know if you've noticed the news, but still is. Okay. Still is. All right. So, let's let's dig in. Chris, was there something I needed to answer? I was going to ask you, modern day Judah, is that Palestine? Yes. Okay. Very good. Thanks for asking. Daniel 1, all right? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, okay, Judah, all right, which is the what? Northern or southern kingdom? Very good. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. There's the word, besieged it, took it over. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Okay, last week we looked into who his God was. Do you remember what his name is? Marduk. Marduk. Bad God, actually. He, there's just, it's just... Stupid, doesn't even exist. It's not even like a bad guy. He doesn't even exist, right? They make these idols, and they don't even exist. However, the, the, the harsh part about it is, and the, the, the serious part about it is, is that they worship these, okay? That they worship these. And, of course, they are dead, they are nothing, and they take the place of Yahweh God. And then we have to ask ourselves, what idols do we have, right? Like we did last week, what idols do we have? Anything that takes priority, precedent over God in your life is your idol. And you know what? It might be your iPhone. It might be your iPhone. I'm not kidding you. If you don't master your iPhone, you know what? I'm telling you. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, Lord, I go right to the Word. I'm sharing. And I'm like, Lord, I need to be in here. And this, this, this. And I'm telling you. You know what happens to me? I'm on and I'm usually looking at you version and this, this, this. And you know what happens to me? It, it, it's like, you know, you should check your email. You know what? You should really text us. You know what? You should really go. And it's like, no, no, no. No. So I put it down and I make sure to get out my Bible Bible and then you can't do that. Right? Because, it, you know, it, it can become something that you're going to stumble over. So, and that is what an idol is. Something that you will stumble over. Okay, so. Then the king ordered... Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I told my husband that was him. 
<laughs> He's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> if you want to compliment your husband, tell him he's a Daniel. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's see. Uh, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these uh, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile or purposed in his heart or determined not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. See, remember we talked about this last week? See, already on the scene, right? God initiates, God goes before, God prepares the way, God does it. Right? Absolutely. God had already caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. That's what he does. And I want you to think this week, just jot this on your side, uh, I want you to think this week of, er- of times in your life where you can see where God has gone before you okay, and already prepared the hearts of whatever situation, circumstance, person, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a monumental situation because God is in the detail. I want you to start thinking this way where you can see that God had initiated, prepared the way, and then does it. I want you to look for those because, for instance, when... When uh, we had, were um, eight years into our marriage and then we decided not to be dual income, no kids, dinks anymore. Was that it? Dual income, no kids? That was dinks then? Um, have children. It was our heart's desire to have children. I was not able to have children. I um, had two babies, one about five months long, one about four months long, both die in my womb. And uh, we still born the first one, and her name was Angela. She's buried on top of my dad's grave. Uh, as we continued to walk along, um, we gave that over to the Lord and said, Lord, if, if, if it is absolutely your will that we never have children, then so be it. Then that is your best that you have for us, and we will accept that. So we had gotten on our knees and said, okay, whatever it is. And, and God's, God had so gone before us on this that uh, he had already prepared a girl's heart in Madison that she had a baby for us. And and I see his sovereignty. I see his rulership. I see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven through that. Because only God prepares that with the desire of your heart. Only he can do that. He initiated he he worked and networked through people that we knew. Um, I mean, it was amazing. It, it it just came to be, and within within six to eight months, Becca was born at at Meritor Hospital in Madison. That's how he works. That's how he works. I want you to look for air times where it was. Now God had caused blank to show favor and sympathy to you, to you. To you because that's what he does. No one is going to thwart his plan if that's his will, right? No one. No one is going to. And so my idea was to have biological kids. However, God's idea was way bigger. Was way, way bigger. Was way bigger. All right. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? Because of course he assumed he's going to look like a little mealy mouth after he doesn't eat this good food. The king would then have my head because of you. Nebuchadnezzar was rotten. He gouged eyes out. He did all kinds of horrific things. He went off their head in a heartbeat. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, they looked, what? Healthier, better nourished than any healthier, better any of the young men who ate the royal food. There's never any just um, equal measure with God. You know that, right? He's always giving you more than you can ask, think, or imagine, Ephesians says, right? Right? Any better, I mean, don't, you know, we make our God, like, you know, this big. We put him in a little box and expect him to do this. Well, here you can do this then. Okay? And he wants to do this. And we go, no, that's not who you are. 
<laughs> I haven't seen you like that. And so, you know, so, so you, you pray for this. We're going to learn at retreat. You need to learn how to pray big prayers. I mean big prayers. He is a big God. He wants to hear big prayers because he loves to show his glory. Right? He loves to show his glory. And he will show his glory as we pray big prayers. Right? And Daniel had already resolved and had been praying big prayers. And this, of course, is what's happening. Um, to the four men... Okay, to the four, so the guard took away their choice, uh, 16, uh, food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal, underline that, none equal, right, to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every underline every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them he found them 10 times better okay that's complete 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus okay so now he's going to go through King Cyrus we looked at Isaiah 45 last week remember who King Cyrus was did he even acknowledge God no no. No. he didn't even acknowledge God Right down in your Bible, right? In Isaiah 45 there, King Cyrus was used for God's purpose the way God wanted to use him, picked him up, said this and everything, and he says, I will do this through you even though you don't acknowledge me. Does that show he's on his throne? Does that show he's going to use who he wants to use, when he wants to use, how he wants to use this list? Okay, and I want to tell you, ladies, that it's an election year. It's going to be, what, 35, 36 days. I'm expecting you to vote your, your conscience and, and uh, your, your belief in, in, uh, in who um, agrees with your values, okay? But I'm telling you that whoever wins, God's still in control. Amen. He's still in control. He's still, look at Cyrus. So, Cyrus he didn't even acknowledge God. Okay? Didn't even announce King uh, Yahweh. And meanwhile, Lord is going, I'm picking you up and putting you here and this is how I'm going to use you. You know why? Because God's doing it. He's allowing it for some reason. Wake up call, something. He's always using it for his glory. Okay? So even during Daniel's time, he picked, you know, then King Cyrus comes along and, and King Cyrus in Isaiah 45, it says, even though you do not acknowledge me. Twice it says that. That this is what he was going to work through him. That should blow your mind, right? Because that's who God is. And ladies, you and I need to trust in the one who is trustworthy. We might not trust King Cyrus. We might not trust who's ever president, right? We might not trust, but we can trust him with them. Can't we? We trust him with what he's doing. Period. And then we pray and pray and pray like Daniel, and then you can see God initiates, God goes before, God's right. We are the engine as we pray, right? We're the engine that puts God's hand to work. That's what He wants, right? Prayer is the only thing that hits heaven before we do. You know that, right? 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 He's in, you're in the throne room. You're right in the throne room. All right, so let's, let's start back at, at verses 1 and 2 and just look at this and, and realize that Jehoiakim is the king of Judah. Okay, and this was a Judean king that was placed on the throne by the Pharaoh of Egypt. All right, and his name means Yahweh raises up. Yahweh, personal name of God. Yahweh raises up. That's his name. Okay, and meanwhile, um, Pharaoh thinks that he raised him up, right? But who really raised him up? Yahweh. God did. God did. Okay, so here's Jehoiakim. All right, now he's the king going. at this time, and now here's Nebuchadnezzar, right, king of Babylon. He's now the mighty ruler of the Babylonian Empire, which was the big Kahuna Empire then, all right? And so the name Nebuchadnezzar is a Hebrew name, which, which is a transliteration of the Babylonian name called Nebu Kaduri Utzer, okay? <laughs> Nebu Kaduri Utzer, which means Nebu, N E B U, protects the crown. Nebu is a friend of Marduk. Okay? So are you following this? One, you've got Yahweh, right? Jehoiakim, Yahweh. Now you've got Nebuchadnezzar, anti-Yahweh. Okay? You guys, there's always been an antichrist, just so you know. Okay? It just hasn't been like the antichrist yet. Are you following me? Okay? Because here he is. This is for God. This is against God. Okay? So it's always been a struggle between what? Good 
and evil. Okay, always has, always will be. Okay, so now, so now he comes to Jerusalem and he besieges it. I love that word besiege. Don't you? I love it. And he besieges it. I besiege this. And so why did he come to Jerusalem? Why was Nebuchadnezzar zooming around Jerusalem? Because the Pharaoh of Egypt had invaded Babylon before. Right? I'm going to get you. You got me. I'm going to go get you. Okay, so the Pharaoh had invaded Babylon, had taken, you know, captives, all kinds of stuff and everything. So now what? I'm going to go get. I'm going to go get him. So they go and they, they go and get him back and forth, back and forth. Okay, so in response to the Pharaoh, you know, going into Babylon, invading Babylon, you know, young prince at the time, young prince Nebuchadnezzar, defeated the Egyptians at that little battle like. I mentioned a couple weeks ago called Karchemish. C-A-R-C-H-E-M-I-S-H. Karchemish. Okay? So this is when he defeats them. Alright? So, um, and what he did is he pursued them all the way down and what happened is they, they were pursued all the way down to Sinai. And along the way or maybe on the way back he subdues Jerusalem. He subdues the absolute capital of uh, Judah and and um, and the reason he does that is because the Pharaoh had been the Pharaoh of Egypt had been loyal to Jerusalem. So therefore he wants to get back at him, he takes Jerusalem. Okay, that's just in the first verse. That's why this all happened. Back and forth. Okay? Now, this all happened in six oh five BC. 605 BC, this is really important. If you remember when we first kicked off Daniel, we talked about some critics who talked about, oh, this couldn't possibly be happened, and that's why they pick on it so much, because it has the most prophecy of, um, most fulfilled prophecy of any book of the Bible, and it all came true, and this couldn't have possibly happened, Daniel couldn't have written it in, in 530 BC, and etc. Well, they're saying, one of the ones they're saying that they're upset about is because the 605 BC um, wasn't just the first encounter between Nebuchadnezzar and Jehoiakim, um, there would be two later invasions, one like 587 and one like 597, okay? So they were all about 10 years apart. Now, what they're saying is they think it's a historical blunder because 605 BC is not mentioned in the book of Kings, okay? And so they think, oh, this is a blunder. This is a historical blunder. This cannot be. So Daniel, therefore, kaput. Right? When they find one little thing and then they think that's it, could put. But guess what? You put the Bible to test and you keep testing it, you keep t- and it will prove itself true every time, every time, every time, every time, because scripture interprets scripture. It will continue to to mind boggle you because he just continues to show himself, show himself, show himself, because he's the self revealing God. So in six oh five BC, okay, what happens is is it's not in in um in the, mentioned in the book of Kings. However, extra-biblical, historical, uh, the Babylonian Chronicles, their collection of tablets discovered as early as 1887, and they're held in the British Museum to this day. And in them, Nebuchadnezzar's 605 BC presence in Judah is documented and clarified. Not only that, but there are excavations that also document the victory of Nebuchadnezzar over the Egyptians at Karchemish in May or June of 605 BC. Not only just 605, but they've gotten it down because of what May and June, the season would look like, uh, to May or June of 605 BC, okay? So archaeologists have found evidence of the battle, they found artifacts, they found vast quantities of um, arrowheads and layers of ash, a shield of a Greek mercenary fighting for the Egyptians. So time and time again, God continues to reveal himself. And as Nebuchadnezzar was on this quote-unquote campaign of besieging Jerusalem, he cut it short. Very quickly, he cut it short because he had heard of his father's death. Okay? Now, for extra credit, do you remember that big, long name of his father? Nebopolassar. Okay? Nebopolassar. Very important. Name your next child that. Nebopolassar. We've got Nebopolassar. He dies, and of course, Nebuchadnezzar is extremely grieving and wants to go back to his father's funeral. Not. No, no, no. He wants to run back because he's going to take over the throne. He's not prince anymore. He's now king. Dad's gone. Okay, it's my turn. So he interrupts his, you know, winning, besieging battle uh, in Jerusalem, and he raced back to Babylon to secure 
to secure the absolute uh, succession to the throne. In fact, it is written um, that he traveled 500 miles. Okay, 500 miles in two weeks. You guys, back then, that's remarkable speed. That's amazing speed. 500 miles in two weeks. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. All right, so now he's back there. Okay, and now in in verse 1 and and 2, it says, In the third year reign of Jehoiakim. Okay, here comes another one. Uh Uh-oh, critics go, nope, can't be. Third year, that's not right. It should be the fourth year, okay? There's no contradiction between Daniel writing in the third year of Jehoiakim, all right? And in Jeremiah 46, verse 2, when he says, Jeremiah says, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Okay, now people, oh, hold on a minute, there it is. See, Daniel wasn't written then, it was, this is all a hoax, etc. No, Daniel spent most of his life in Babylon area. Okay, remember he was uh, besieged at age about 13, all right? So he spent most of his life in, in the Babylon area. According to the Babylon time, that would be the third year of, of Jehoiakim's reign because it started... Um, it started after the, the one year was up. Okay? However, Hebrew way, the way the Hebrews would date it is they would say, no, it starts in the first year of when he started. Okay? Like, for instance, Marilyn always tells me, well, Margo, you're really in your 60th year. I'm like, what? I'm only 59. You can't tell me that, right? And she's like, well, Marsha always tells us that, our oldest sister, right? And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, because between zero and one, mm-hmm. you're already one. You know, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. All right, it's the same thing the way that they date this. Hebrews look at it as they start right away, and the others start the other way. Okay, so they are, are they saying the same thing? Yes. Are they saying it from two different frames of references? Yes, exactly. So once again, the critics ixnade, right? Ixnade. All right, so. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. All right, now. Who gave Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand? The Lord. Lord. The capital L-O-R-D? Yahweh God gave his people into Marduk's. What? What? Does that make any sense? I mean, the Lord did this. Okay, the Lord allowed this to happen. Okay, so... The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Okay? So, uh, if you want to read more about it, by the way, read 2 Kings 24, 14 through 16. For lack of, of time, I want you just to look it up. But actually, 2 Kings 24 is all about that. Uh, and so, so, now Judah is conquered, but God's hand is obvious that he is in command. All right? It looks like a, a bitter time. It looks like, Yao, what's happening? What is our Yahweh God doing? It looks like that. But this was even prophesied in Isaiah 39, verse 7, which says, And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Okay? So... This prophecy leads some of us to believe, or leads people to believe that Daniel and his Hebrew buddies were eunuchs. Okay, or actually, I should say, were made eunuchs. Okay, and the Hebrew term saris, S-A-R-I-S, saris actually means not a literal eunuch, but it means a servant of God, a servant of God. So they they weren't. You yes. You spell again the name. You say sar. Sari, S-A-R-I, S-A-R-I. And the, the, so the Hebrew name, Sari, means servant of God. It doesn't necessarily mean literal eunuch, literal eunuch, okay? Um, it means servant of, you know, of the king or of God, all right? It wasn't exclusively applied to literal eunuchs. So why did the capital L-O-R-D give, you know, Judah into the hands of the Babylonians? Because they were disobeying. They were disobeying. Chosen people, disobeying, wake-up call. Mm, you know what? I'm going to have to allow this to happen, right? Because I want them to come back into the circle of blessing, just like we do our children, right? 
into the circle of blessing. If they're disobedient, you want to go on a on a rescue mission. Er, er, er. Get Margo, bring her back in, bring her back in. Circle of blessing, right? That you're free in this area. This is where you're safe. This is where he wants you to be. And and they were living outside the circle of blessing, outside of his obedience, of what he had for them. And so he said, okay, then you know what? Here's what's going to have it happen. Because um, of your idolatry, Israel, okay, and because of your failure to observe the Sabbath for the land, you can read all about this in Leviticus 25 and 26. And I'd like you to do that this week. Read it all in Leviticus 25 and 26. They were not observing the laws that God, like I mentioned in the beginning of the study, that you needed to follow that to, know, to show him that he is God and you are not. Okay, so... So he went on this rescue mission and he said, okay, well then you know what, I'm going to allow... Now, is he still in control? Yeah. I'm going to allow this to happen to Judah so that they come back to me. It's always so that you come back to him. It's always so that you come back to him. It's because he loves you. He goes on the rescue mission because he wants you to come back to him. Okay? I want you to think this week uh, about a time that God had to go on a rescue mission for you and bring you back to him. And bring you back to him. Okay? It might be through a circumstance. It might be through um, an illness. It might be through just a thought. Whatever it is. I want you to think, what is it that God loved you so much that he went on a rescue plan to bring you back into the circle of blessing? Into that obedience? Because that's what he does with his chosen people. And we're all chosen. Right? And And so he continues to do that. And see, it shows us that that God always settles accounts with those who refuse to respond to his warnings. God will always settle accounts with those who refuse to respond to his warnings. Because you know why? Because it will have to happen again. Then it will happen again. Then it's like, okay, I want you to learn. I want you to be like me. I want you to treat this person like this. I want this. I want you to have compassion. I want you to forgive. I want you to lay down that bitterness. I want you to Right? I want you to be an overcomer. And so he will always go after you until you want to learn. And learning isn't going, all right. It's surrendering and saying, you know what? You are in control of my very being. My absolute breath, my health, my, my life, my very being, my emotional, everything is yours. And I surrender it all to you because I know that you are absolutely in control. Yes, Ellen. With those who refuse to respond to his warnings. Now remember, you guys, he has warned Israel how many gazillion times prior to this? Right? I mean, has he warned them? Absolutely he has. He's warned them time and time again. How many times did he have to warn you? He's always warning you. Don't walk this way. Step over here. Don't say this. You know what? Give that thought over to me. Don't. He's warning you. For your good and for his glory. He wants you to continue to walk in obedience because uh, I believe it's in John, right? If if we if we love him, we'll what? We'll obey him. We'll obey him. We'll obey him. Okay, and so in eight in, in five eighty seven BC invasion, which is this this uh, time that it happened, the city of Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. Both of them were destroyed. That's all in Second Kings twenty five. So it's totally destroyed. And now, Nebuchadnezzar takes some of the articles from the house of God, right? He goes, all right, oh, now that I've destroyed this, well, there, be, there might be some goodies in here. I'll go check, right? Maybe there's some gold, some brass, some whatever, and I'll go check. So he goes in and he checks what he wants to take out. Maybe it's because he left quickly that he didn't take all of it. We don't know. That's just conjecture, okay? But... Um, but what happens is, is he goes in and takes this stuff, and now it's like he's having a declaration to Yahweh God saying, my God's better than your God. I'm taking your stuff. I've besieged this. I'm taking your stuff. I'm taking it to Babylon, putting it in my area, right? And we're going to worship, you know, Marduk, okay? And so, God of Israel, are you able to vindicate yourself? I think not. You don't ever want to say that to God, so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. You don't ever want to say that to him. Okay? Because he does, he will, 
And you will continue to. Okay? Because why? Because he hates you? No, because he wants all to come to him. To know him. Alright? So, so Nebuchadnezzar, is, Nebuchadnezzar is going, yeah, well, okay, well, watch this. I got your stuff now. And I'm putting it in my area. So, you know, now you're going to have to vindicate yourself. Okay? So this is a low, low, low time for Judah and God's people. Isn't it? I mean, this is, imagine what they're thinking. Oh my goodness, there's no temple. There's no this. There's no this. Okay, it seemed like the God of Israel lost out to the small God of Assyria and Babylon and Persia. That, you know, what is this? Has he left us? What, you know, what's going on? The book of Daniel, the whole book of Daniel, shows God vindicating himself. Okay? At a time when the conquest of Israel might have brought his reputation into disrepute. And so we will see how he continues to be Yahweh God, vindicates himself. This is who I am. This is how I work. My plans won't be thwarted. I am God. There is none other like me. And you will see it time and time and time again. Okay? He's always in control. He's always the ruler. He always has been, always will be. That is a comforting thing. That is a comforting thing, right? I mean, and in your own personal life, it's a comforting thing, right? He holds you in the palm of his hand. And so, right? And here I am. Here's Margot, all right? And then he allows blessings or he allows hardships or he allows, you know, consequences or he allows different circumstances or he allows whatever in my life to trickle in because he goes, oh, this blessing is going to help Margot. You know, this blessing right here is going to lead her more to be more like me. So I'm going to allow this in her life. Oh, oh, but not this much because this is going to take her over and she's going to become prideful. No, I'm not going to do that. But this, I'm going to allow this bit of a hardship in her life because it's going to keep her right next to the cross. And that's where I want her. See what he does? He trickles it. You're never left. He never leaves you or forsakes you. You're always right here. But he allows it so you can become more like him. Right? So that you can stay in that circle of blessing. So you can be there. And he allows whatever it is that he sees from the end, from the beginning, right? And he knows that this will work this way in your heart. That's a good, good thing. That's a good, good thing. And that's what he was doing with his wonderful chosen people in Judah. He's like, look at me. Look at me. I'm allowing this for purposes that are deeper than what you see. Deeper than what you see. And so, if you look at Babylon in verses 3 and 4, okay, their, their system of indoctrination with the boys, right, with these great boys, the best and the brightest that Jerusalem had to offer, okay, um, you know, they brought some of, the, some of the guys to Israel, okay, so Nebuchadnezzar not only confiscated all those holy things from, from uh, the temple, but the shining lights of Judah as well, right, the young man, probably about 13 to 17 years old. So meanwhile, he's taken the temple stuff, the temple's ruined, and now he's taken the best and the brightest. And who had the ability to serve in his king's palace. So, I mean, if they served in the royal palace here, they've got to be the best and the brightest to be able to serve over here. And so he brings them over. And so Nebuchadnezzar, quite frankly, shows himself as a wise administrator, doesn't he? He's like, well, I'm not going to take the... You know, these guys, I'm going to take the guys who, you know, know their stuff. And so he's a wise administrator and he's really a shrewd technician, tac- tactician because um, taking these young men as hostages, remember they're basically hostages, reminds the people back in Jerusalem that, you know what, you better not revolt. You better not try the besieging and the revolting, okay, against the recently imposed Babylonian rule. Because now you have to remember, when they besiege, Babylon then becomes, they become a vassal to Babylon. They have to be subjective, sub, in subjection to Babylon. And so he's showing them under no uncertain terms that, guess what, this is how it's going to work, now watch me work. <laughs> Except, but God, right? My two favorite words. But God, but God, all right. So now they're groomed in verses 5 through 7. They're groomed for this civil service, right? They're groomed for this, okay? So the king appoints this provision of king's food daily and wine daily. And it's, you know, it's the stuff of the Babylonian government. Um, well, quite frankly, when I was reading about this, the Babylonian government 
provides for the, the guys in training, no matter what it is. Except this time, it wasn't just the government. It was the highest of the high. It was actually the king's court that said, no, we want these guys, so we're going to feed them the royal food, not just regular food. We're going to feed them the royal food and the royal wine because these guys you know, need to um, need to be the best of the best here now in Babylon. Okay, So um, they had the same wine, they had the same food that was prepared for the king. And was it, that was intended as a special honor. Okay, you can imagine. He's like, well, this, this is a special honor, right? I've given you the king's food and this, 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 is, this is a big, big deal, okay? And um, you have to remember, guys, in the ancient world, it's, it, having, um, there was a huge difference between the food that was enjoyed by the common folk and the food that was served at the king's table. I mean, a huge difference. It was like having, you know, mush and then having this incredible you know, 10-course dinner with wine. And so that would be a very, very big deal, all right? And so, so then the chief of, of uh, the officer gave them new names, okay? So now they have these new names, right? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now they have these new names. The old names, of course, meant that, you know, Daniel meant God is my judge, God is my judge, and now he's changed to Belteshazzar, which means he's Bel's prince. Bel is another Marduk kind of guy. Okay, so what you're seeing is every saint, every name went from a Yahweh name to an idol name. Okay, in other words, not only have you left your country, left your city, your temple's demolished, everything's gone. Guess what? I'm changing your name. You're not who you were. You will not be who you were. In other words, it's the indoctrination of how he's like, guess what? My God's better than your God, and we're going to show you because we're doing all this indoctrination. And so um, Hananiah, which meant beloved of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, was changed to Shadrach, meaning illumined by sun God. S-U-N, illumined by sun God. Um, Mishael means who is as God, Yahweh God, was changed to Meshach, meaning who is like Venus, because they worshipped planets. They worshipped um, they worshipped uh, um, the love God and all those, all those different uh, gods which were idols. Okay, The name Azariah, meaning the Lord, capital L-O-R-D is my help, was changed to Abednego, meaning servant of Nego, meaning another idol, another, another god. So now they have said, okay, we're stripping you of who you think you are and you're going to become who we're going to indoctrinate you to be. Does it work? No. And you know why it doesn't work? Because he had resolved in his heart already. Because he had resolved, he had purposed in his heart because he knew Yahweh God. He knew exactly who he was, what he did, how he's on his throne, and guess what? It, It sort of parallels the career of Joseph. Right? It's like, whoa, this is not looking too too good right now. This isn't looking the best, right? I'm now being sold as a slave and my own, you know, my own family did it to me and this, 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 and I'm not but guess what? It's always but God, I've got a plan, 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 I've got a plan. And he continues to show that over and over and over again. And meanwhile, they not only lose their name, but now they have three years of training for them. Three years of training. I mentioned Brian had one year of training at Allen Bradley, which they indoctrinated him when he first graduated uh, from college, Iowa State. He was an engineer, and they flew him here. They flew him 12 different places. He could decide wherever he wanted. And, uh, and he ended up coming here. And, and Alan Bradley then said, we are going to put into you the Alan Bradley way for a year of training as a sales engineer. And it, and it totally made him this Alan Bradley way. Okay. Well, they put in three years of indoctrination. Uh, uh, and the purpose of the food, the purpose of the education, the purpose of the changing of their names was to absolutely have a total indoctrination in them. To absolutely um, make these young men leave their Hebrew culture and their God behind. Behind. And that's why they continue to do that. All right? So... Nebuchadnezzar undoubtedly wants to say to everybody, look to me for everything, right? Look to me. Look to me. I'm doing this. I'm the big shot. I'm the one. Look to me. I'm doing this, right? And, and what happens is, is Daniel and his friends refused. They refused, insisting they look to Yahweh God. You know why they did? Because they'd already purposed in their heart. 
If you don't purpose in your heart, if you don't resolve, guess what? That indoctrination comes along. If you don't stand for something my mom used to say, you'll fall for anything. Right? And that you will fall flat. You will fall flat. If temptation comes along to you, I promise you, if you haven't resolved that this is not the way I'm going to walk, you will fall flat. You will fall flat. And it needs to be that day-to-day, right? Time with them, prayer with them, being changed by them, knowing that this is who God is and there is no other, and that you continue to walk in that way. And so when something like this comes along, you've already resolved in your heart. Guess what? I got on the armor. I got Ephesians 6 on. I got the helmet of salvation. I got the breastplate of righteousness. I got my feet shod with the gospel of peace. Right? I got the shield of faith. I got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? Which is, I'm fine. I'm fine because I've resolved that this is the way I'm going to walk. And no one and nothing can touch me when I have resolved. When you're in God's will, God's will is what? Just do the next right thing. Next right thing. Next right thing. Nothing and no one can touch you when you're in God's will. Yes, sweetheart. Daniel, you see, like, he was so focused and so, like, seems like he wasn't affected that his name was changed. I mean, he's going to be, you know, thrown, thrown into the lines. Of, do you think there was part of him was like, oh, God, like, where are you? Or I mean, I know they don't report that, but, I mean, humanness still comes into play. Like, I even think about, like, my own walk where I'm like, oh, you know, where it's like this is a huge example to me to, like, not be like, oh, but do you think maybe, just because it's not recorded, it kind of was like, ah, well, once in a while? Daniel, Daniel is just as human as we are. Yeah. Okay, but but that's why I... Uh, that's why it says he purposed in his heart. He resolved. He determined. Meaning that that was something that that was his character. That's who he is. Did he have feelings? Uh, did he have situations that didn't look the best? Did he have feelings? Yes, but he walked by his resolve. He walked by his faith because his faith, you know, faith is not your feeling. Okay, so did he feel that way? Oh, I can bet he felt that way numerous times. Absolutely. Right? But he knew his God. And he knew his God, you know, like he'd already been on the scene. He already had asked about this. He could see him. He could see his faithfulness. He could see his faithfulness years prior. And he knew he's making a new, um, a new way in the wilderness, right? And he just continued walking. Do they have feelings like us? Absolutely. However, his feelings had to answer to his faith. Okay. And that's where it comes to. Bill. I think, I think everyone goes through that. And I, just, I had a friend that went through breast cancer and, and uh, you know... Long story short, he's still doing well. Um, but she said in the first bow, she came back, first bow, she could not say, Pray, your will be done, Lord. The second time through, she was able, her children were a little older, you know, she's like, Lord, you know, whatever you will, if I don't make it through this time, you know, your will be done. And I think a lot of us in this room, everyone goes through that. Jesus Christ himself, Lord, take us up. But you do. You make a choice one way or the other. It's like, truly am I submitting? And I think Daniel might have had that prior, but in this scenario, he was already bolstered yep. by maybe the previous thing where he said, now I'm walking with God. Exactly. So, Excellent, Val. Absolutely. Recorded that he wavered. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Right. Yes, sweetie. I'm just wondering, I mean, the names are They call it a different name. Why is why Daniel wrote it. <laughs> 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 Nothing big spiritual. Daniel wrote it. I just kept wondering why that happened. And Daniel knew his God. That's his name. God will judge, right? And and so he wrote it. And and so you're seeing how God will judge all the way through in what he's doing. Right. Yeah. And but that's a very good, very good. Um, don't know. I, I do not know that. Yeah, exactly. Have a cup of tea with him. He loved tea. Had a cup of tea, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not about belonging or this or that. This book kind of is like, I'm coming for you. Oh, yeah. Thank you, God. Amen, amen. No, but that's that's a very good question because, you know, it's it's because he wrote it. Yeah. All right, so let, let's finish right here in, in this, um, at verse 7. Um, you have to realize that, that this three years of training... Nebuchadnezzar knew that the, that the Jews were a stiff-necked, obstinate people. Okay, there was nothing new about that. That you know, this is this is what their stigma was. Okay, and and so what he did is he used sumptuous food to woo his captives. 
Okay? Sumptuous food. I mean, it, that we were put before them. I mean, you guys, it wasn't like, hey, it's cooking and you smell it, right? Remember when Thanksgiving's cooking, you're like, whoa! Whoa! I mean, even when Tori came in the other night, she's like, mom, what are you cooking? What is it? It's, it's pork loin in, in the oven. Oh! Right? Oh, I mean, you're, you start salivating, right? The whole bit, right? Okay, so this is all happening to these guys. You have to remember this. This is all happening. This physical is happening to them, and, and, and they're wooed by this. Every sense of them, right, is it, like, whoa, here's this incredible food, and then they know that it has been um, given as a sacrifice for the idols as well as the, uh, as the wine offering for idols, which they know is exactly against their Yahweh God. So they know because they've already resolved. And if they hadn't already resolved in their heart, what would they have done? They would have eaten it like a madman. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, just I could just see it all on these big plates and being passed around. I mean, it would, it would be just a sumptuous, huge, you know, buffet, you know, fit for kings, right? And so, and so they had to have already resolved in their heart. Satan uses a similar strategy. He uses a similar strategy with us today. He wants to indoctrinate us to the world system. He wants to come along and indoctrinate us to the world system. He wants us to feed on what the world offers. Here it is. Doesn't it look good? It's sumptuous. It's great. Doesn't it smell great? It's great. This is wonderful. Right? If you haven't resolved, if you haven't purposed in your heart, if you haven't determined that this is the way I'm going to walk, now walk ye in it, you will gobble that stuff up. And you will be sicker than sick. Uh, I will tell you, I, uh, this is just my own personal health, but I haven't had red meat for about seven, eight years. Um, and, and the other day I didn't realize that it wasn't a turkey burger, and I, and I had a bit of, and I'm telling you, I was sick for a couple days because my body's not used to it. Do you know what happened to those guys? If they would, I mean, really. I mean, it would, they would have been just sicker than dogs. I mean, this is what happens, but Satan goes, oh, no, this is great. Go ahead and do this. Go ahead and do this. You would feed on the world system. Just this once isn't going to hurt. Right? And then you step into that water and you don't feel the undertow until you're in. Right? He's got your knee. He's got your leg. He's got you. Right? Oh, it looks really good on the outside. Oh, the beautiful ocean and everything. You step in. And he's got you. Exact same thing that Satan does, right? And he wants us to identify ourselves in reference to the world. He wants our name to be like his name. Right? He wants us to identify in reference to the world. He is looking, ladies, for people to what? What's his kill? Seek? Destroy. Okay? I mean, those are, that's his mission. That's his mission. He roars around like a what? Roaring lion. However, remember he's toothless. <laughs> he roars, but he, you know, he doesn't, he can't, he can't put in. He's toothless lion. <laughs> Get out of here in the name of Jesus. But I'll tell you what, he comes around and he makes it look good. He makes the world system look great. He wants you to identify your name in reference to the world. And then he wants to do this. I want to educate you in the ways of the world. You know what? Are you sure God really said this? Did God really say not to eat of the, any of the tree? Did God really say that? I mean, really, that's that beguilement. A little bit of truth, lots of emotion. Lots of emotion. And if you haven't resolved, ladies, to know Jesus Christ personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over your life, that means he's ruler, he's sovereign, he's sovereign over you, over your family, over your kids, he's in control of your finances, whatever it is, you know him as shepherd, you know him as savior, you know him as Jehovah Jireh, that he's the God who provides. All of his names, you're getting to know him more and more and more just when you need him to be that. You will taste it. You will taste the world. You need to resolve. You need to resolve. Because I want to tell you something. The very root of sin goes back to eating forbidden food. The very root of sin, Adam and Eve, goes back to eating forbidden food. It's sumptuous. It looks great. I didn't really say that. If you eat this, you'll be just like God. Really? Really? Daniel didn't fall for it because he resolved in his heart that this is how he was going to walk. How is your resolve? 
right? We're back to how's your result? How's your purpose? Because I'm telling you, Satan will use that similar strategy that Nebuchadnezzar used on, on those men on you today. Because guess what? He already has the rest of the world. God calls him the prince of this world. He already has all the ones who you know, are unbelievers. He wants you. He wants you. And our resolve is to walk uprightly before him. Right? Non-negotiable face-to-face time, quiet time so we can be changed before him. Right? That we continue to pray unceasingly and he changes our heart. He changes our mind. He changes us into a Daniel. So we can continue to resolve. So we can continue to purpose in our heart. So we can continue to determine. And then guess what? He can use us for his purposes, for his glory. We are changed. Nothing that comes up against us is going to prosper. No weapon formed against us will prosper. He promises that. Right? That's who he is. That's who he will continue to be. It's who we are. With him. Let's pray. Lord God, you, uh, you are mighty, you are holy, you are everything to everyone at every time. Help us, help us, God, to be a Daniel. Help us to resolve before. Help us to continue to purpose in our heart that this is the way to walk, that we would want to spend time with you, that we would want to become more like you, that we, that we know that you are totally in control, that we can recklessly abandon ourselves to you and fall flat on our face before you, knowing that from you and through you and to you are all things. And so Jesus, go deep into us. Go deep. Go to the secret places that we keep from you, Lord, that you already see. And let us release that to you, Jesus. Thank you that Daniel isn't just an old story five, you know, in 530 B.C., God. This is a living, breathing word of God that cuts like a knife between sinew and bone, Lord. Allow it to work. Allow it to work, God, in my life. Lord, if we don't have a desire to purpose in our heart, God, may we pray that we do have that desire. I thank you that you have uh, given us your word and it will not return void. I thank you that it is your spoken out word. And as we read your word, you change us. And so, Lord, as we continue to read your word this week, God, continue to change us. Continue to mold us and make us and break us as we allow you to be the potter and we're the clay. And we love being the clay because we trust you, Lord. We trust everything that you bring into our lives because it's for our good and for your glory. help us to see that everything that comes along is from your loving hand. And help us to be a Daniel that praises you, that prays and thanks you for it so that you can be seen in and through us. Lord, take us this week Use us mightily, Lord, in ways that we haven't even thought or imagined, but you have. Open doors. May we, be, may we see how you have gone before us. May we write these down. May we be changed before you, Lord God. May we not be lazy in our approach with you. May we want to hear from you, Lord. All we have to do is ask and, and seek and knock, and you're always there. You're always there. And so, Lord Jesus, allow us to... Uh, Experience that intimacy more and more and more because as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. We praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen.